Imagine a football platform where the world's best writers give you the real story about what's going on at United. Imagine no pop-up ads, no clickbait headlines and no ridiculous rumours to be let down by anymore. You don't have to imagine anymore. Meet The Athletic. No ads, no nonsense, just football. Visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash United We Stand to start your 30-day free trial and get 50% off your annual subscription. The Athletic, the new... Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten and I'm going to be joined today by several guests, people who've been involved in United We Stand in various ways over the years. I think one of them's just uh, having his dinner now with that clank of cutlery. James Scowcroft, former striker for Premier League, Ipswich Town, Leicester City, lifelong Manchester United fan, played for Crystal Palace as well. Welcome, James. Afternoon, Andy. Okay. Yeah, have you been ringing round fans of any of the clubs that you've played for during this uh, uh, lockdown? Yeah, I have actually. Crystal Palace asked me to um, to ring uh, fans up. Spent the afternoon actually, so two or three weeks ago, three weeks ago, on a Friday afternoon, speaking to. Uh, it's very good actually, very very good, very. Uh, um, if you can imagine somebody from a football club or a player ringing ringing you up from Manchester United, uh, twenty minutes, half an hour on the phone to some people. Um, so it was uh, really, really good. Well, obviously, all over, all over seventy, talking about the seventies and an era that I I don't know about. Um, and Crystal Palace. I, I don't know if you've seen the BT uh, documentary about Palace in the seventies, where they were on the cusp of becoming a really good club, getting fifty thousand crowds, etc. Um, so yeah, some great stories. Well, I, re- I remember the fifty thousand crowd in the third division. Well, I don't remember it. I'm too young. Terry Venables was there. They had a very distinctive kit as well. Did, did Clive Allen play for them? Is that right? Clive Allen played, yeah. yeah. He came in and sort of, he wasn't there long, um, but at the, the Malcolm, Allison, um, Clive Allen. It's quite a unique club, Crystal Palace. It's, it's, it's the biggest club with, uh, I think there's 7 million people within a 20-minute radius of the club. It's, it has the biggest catchment area. Um, of that. It's the biggest club in South London, which is a huge... Um, an area, so it's it's a very interesting uh, club, and it's just they've they've literally just this week. I think I think they've this evidence has been about they've sort of found evidence that it's actually the oldest professional football club in the world. Yeah, it's an absolute arse to get to from Manchester, but anyway, what would you do if you would ring these people up and they didn't know who you were? Well, they didn't, but I, there's a couple that didn't know. And, and, Certainly not someone to uh, you know me well enough, mate. I'm not going to go into who I am, what I what I am. And, so, so what what did you do? Did you just say it's James Crowcroft um, from calling from Crystal Palace? Yeah, a, a couple of them said, "Oh, you know," you get chatting to people and said, "Yeah, no, I was an expert." And a few of them said, "Yeah, no, I, re- I remember you." You know, one one person thought I was in the ticket office and wanted to know about <laughs> season tickets, and well, I, I don't know, you know, then. Another person wanted to know about the away kit for his grandson. When was it coming out? How much will it be? And then uh, there was one fan actually lived in Newcastle. Goes to every Palace home game. From Just New- watching, I went from, from Newcastle. Newcastle. Well, no, it, it, he lives an hour north of Newcastle. Drives to Newcastle in the morning on a Saturday. Gets the train into Kings Cross. Gets the overground down to um, Croydon, East Croydon, and then meets up with some friends. Done it for twenty years. Probably not a good thing, not a bad thing for footballers to speak to people like this to see the the lengths they go to to watch the team. Yeah, I, I, listen, I, I've met some of these people following United, Andy. You know, you, you you know some of 
some of these. So I'm, I'm aware of it. You know, when he said that, it didn't surprise me. But listen, some footballers wouldn't have a clue. We would not have the first idea what what a season ticket holder does, what the, what their routine is, how much, what lengths they go to supporting the team. That they just wouldn't have a first idea. Did you have? Because one thing that struck me about you being different when I first got to know you um, was you were you were interested. You were that interested in fan culture. It was almost like you were disappointed. It it came in the way of becoming a player. I felt at times you'd rather watch Man United than be playing yourself. Well, there has been times when I have I missed a reserve game once to uh, watch Man United on a TV once. So that's that's another story. But the thing the thing I I I, I say about football, and you you see this whole army of football people. Oh, I love the game. I miss football. Unless you follow a team away from home, you do not know what the true football buzz is. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it can become all-consuming, can't it, if you, if you go into a huge... Yeah, I, I, that, 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 that following your team away from home is a buzz that only you'll probably get in football if you play the game and you're successful scoring a goal. That, that, is, that is the same level... Is that all these other people that work in football and their journey? Oh, I love this guy, and this is my team. Yeah, great. But you you do not know what the true passion and the buzz you can get out of football unless you do that. If you go to an away city, I can remember just years ago going to Coventry with United, and you walk out the train station, and suddenly you realise there's hundreds of you, and you're in enemy territory, and everyone's looking at you, and the police are onto you as well. There's a big buzz with that. That. It's exciting as well. You're going somewhere. Yeah. Uh, you're with your mates. You've got a good football team to watch, and I think proper football fans will be able to relate to that. Sometimes you'll get um, people who jo- who join football clubs. They work at football clubs. I'm a I'm a big Man United fan, and you just did you know that they're not. You know, they like Manchester United, which yeah. is absolutely fine. But there's there's different levels. Um, and, uh, I'm not on about you know. The, the, the sort of coming out of and being part of this. I'd left school at 16, joined Ipswich three weeks later as an apprentice and I've worked in football and I'm now 44. In that 30-year period, some of my best moments have been following Man United away and I've, I've had promotions, I've scored goals in front of big crowds, I've had highs and lows some of those, some of those best moments in football have been following Man United away from home. So even though you're not directly part of it, because when you've had promotions, you've been scoring the goals that have taken teams up. Yeah. Uh, but you're still saying, even though it's it's more detached, following United is is, is almost as big a buzz. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. That 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 getting in bed at night after playing well, scoring. I remember going to. Uh, you know, numerous big grounds in the Premier League, winning, scoring a goal, scoring a winning goal, coming home, feeling that high that that you that lasts for several days. Now, I, I, I can get it by going watching Man. I can't get it every week, but there's certain games and certain you know certain obviously when United win, I can I can get that buzz again. I mentioned you the other day to someone at When Saturday Comes magazine, and he's went, oh yeah, I, I know him, yeah. He was the next big thing, wasn't he? And I don't think he was saying it in a, in a derogatory way, but for a time you were on the cusp, weren't you? Yeah, well, I nearly joined Liverpool as a, I think I was about 20, 21. That was, they signed Danny Murphy instead, actually. It was me and Danny Murphy. And I nearly went to Man City as well, when in 2001. So I nearly, 
listen, what's the next big thing? You know, I think I think that's I, I played for England under twenty ones. I think anyone who plays for England under twenty ones could you be the next big thing? Um, maybe, maybe not. But listen, I've played six hundred games, so I, I would I would say that. Well, you've had a great career, I think. Of all the footballers starting out, if you'd say to them, you will play 300 Premier League matches, I think the absolute vast majority would settle for that. Even there's some, been some very, very good players who've not played top-flight football. Lee Trundle was watching a few weeks ago, some of his clips. He was like a hero at Swansea and stuff, yeah. but he, he never played in, in the top division. Talking about United, and you've seen them a lot this season, who would you have as your player of the season so far? My, my player of the season would be, and uh, probably not many people come up with this, I'm going to give it to Wambasaka, and I'm going to give it to Wambasaka for one reason. So two years ago, virtually to, to the, probably about April time, I saw Wambasaka at Dulwich Hamlet play for Crystal Palace Reserves, and he was going out of the game. He, he was, you know, probably 50-50 whether he'd make the grade at, at Crystal Palace. Two years later, mate, he is a world transfer record fee for someone who's played most minimum of games, I think. And I think what he's done at Manchester United, he's, he's had a good, solid season, but he's improved. He's improved as he's gone on. He's gone and he's improved with the ball. I think his he's one-to-one defensive qualities are, are as good as anyone in the world and as good as what Man United have had as a one-to-one defender. But with the ball, and he has to improve with the ball, but he is improving. You know, if you, if you look at the goal, Martial's header at Chelsea, where he, I think he Cruyff turns and then whips a great ball in for his head. He's improved in that as well. Listen, Rashford's had a great season. There's, there's been a couple that have had good seasons, but I think Wan-Bissaka has stuck at it. It's been a it's been a testing season, a huge test for him, but he, he would get my player of the season. You probably know more about him than anyone listening to this because probably of, 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 I've seen I've seen his journey. Yeah, I've seen his journey, and and I know quite a bit of that. I know what kind of lad he is as well, and to come from where he is to where he is now, brilliant. What kind of lad is he? Very quiet, very down to earth, very very quiet. Doesn't doesn't you know want the the high life? Doesn't want to really be seen. In uh, you know, is quite a family person, a South London lad actually, um, but very sort of unassuring. Probably not the most confident uh, lad. So to, to actually to come and play for Crystal Palace was was brilliant for him. But then to have that move and then to play United and handle it the way he has done is fair play to him. Can he keep going? You know, I hope so. You mentioned his confidence. I saw pre-season in Australia with the the media. He was not confident at all. And maybe you can allow him time for that because it's a big jump from Palace to United and um, he, he's still a young lad. But he was being asked really simple questions and he was like terrified of them. And I thought, you've, you've got to learn. You've got to learn here because you're going to be asked questions all the time when, when you play for Manchester United. But as you say, he's had a, a good season. And if I'm not wrong, one of his um, first great games was against Manchester United at Sellers Park. And uh, Fosu Mensah, who'd gone to Palace uh, in his position, he just found himself completely out of the picture because Aaron had done so well. Well, I think Fosu Mensah got injured. Mm. So then Aaron came on and he just went from, you know, doing okay on his debut to literally thinking, wait, He's our best player here. Crystal Palace's best player. Mm. And with Foster- know, and uh, he didn't play many games for Crystal Palace. No, and with Foster Mensah also, I think uh, Roy Hodgson found him frustrating to coach at times. Uh, yeah, I think I think a few people have come across that, haven't they? You know, they said he's got all the attributes, but he's he struggles to take in 
direct instructions and that frustrated the coaches. And if he's going to make it, he's got to sort that side out um, of his game. What do you miss about there being no football? Because you're still going to a huge number of games. You're, you're travelling around Europe all the time. You're looking out for emerging players. Uh, it's, your, it's your job, in it? What, what, what do you miss about it? What, at the moment? Yeah. Um, to, to answer that, I haven't really missed that much because it's nice just to sort of sit still for a month. To, to stop travelling, yeah. Yeah, it is actually. And, and it's quite sort of... Yeah, I found it okay. I think I'm ready now for everything to start again and to, to get back into normal life. But it's been quite sort of relaxing, and uh, yeah, you, you must find the same. Yeah, you do a lot of travelling as well, just to think, right? Just going to stand still for a month here. Um, I've enjoyed it. I've just got yeah. my, my diary in front of me. We went to um, the Manchester Derby, didn't we, at the end of January? So mm. I can remember flying to Stansted, and you meeting me at Stansted, and I wrote a an article sticking up for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer saying now's the time to back him. I got a lot of stick for writing that because it was just after the, the, the defeat against Burnley at Old Trafford. Um, right. But I stood by it and I still stand by it. And then we went to Colchester against Swindon. Then we went up to Manchester for the for the Derby game. And then you did what you got to do in the North West. I went to Old Trafford for the Wolves game. Then I immediately left Manchester that night, went up to Glasgow to watch Celtic the next morning, then flew to Barcelona to watch Barcelona-Levante. And this, this was like throughout February. I was in, in Bruges with United, Chelsea away. I'm not sure if I saw you there. That was in um, February, Watford at home. Uh, there was just loads. I went to Germany. I did four games in four days in Germany. And then there was... It just... It, it's really enjoyable, but it's full on, and I'll, I'll be with you. I've really enjoyed part of it, just just not doing all that that travel and spending more more time with with um family. And then I went to Bucharest as well. Just got told at short notice we go to Bucharest. There's a good story there. Bang, bang, bang. It's the stuff I dreamed of as a kid when I was getting into football journalism, and it's a brilliant story. Yeah, but it's tiring. But it, 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 it's. Because I'm not, I'm not a popular journalist. I, I think what's what's been good here. I I, I love travelling, love travelling around as well, especially going to Europe. The, the weather's been really, really good here. If it wasn't, you think you know what? I'd love a bit of sun now. I'd love to go to France, Spain, and, and you know that that's that's probably what I'd be missing now. But you, you go back to United City game, and I got a ticket in the away end, forty five seconds before kickoff, outside, standing outside, trying to get myself a ticket. That that when I talk about buzz, that is the buzz that you do, and the buzz of getting that ticket. And some some stranger, I got no idea who he is, wouldn't even know him now. Just come up to me, you're looking for a ticket. I said, yeah, I'm actually, I've got one. Brilliant. And then Matic scores, bang, win, but didn't go Matic scores, mate, and I've got people throwing chairs over my head. I got this, and you're like, what is going on here? You know, and and that went, and when the hatred in that corner, and it was right by the corner of the Man City, the hatred in that corner that night. I have not experienced at a football match in my in my playing career in my whatever. I've not experienced the hatred that I found in that corner that night. United were improving from that game onwards. Which areas do you think they've improved most? Bruno Fernandes, who made his debut a few days after that game, he made a, a big impact. But I noticed in set pieces he was being very effective. And you mentioned Chelsea away. Well. He set up Harry Maguire, who perhaps should have scored more because he hadn't scored until that yeah. game. 
what would your professional view be? Where have United got better? Set pieces? I, don't, I, don't, I think they've got a long, long way to get better at set pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, where have they got better? I think they've got more control about their, their games. I think you'd, there was a time when you'd go and watch Manchester United and you'd, you'd flip a coin. So the performance individually as a team, you, you didn't know if they were going to win 2-0, lose 2-0. They, they just had no consistency as a, as a team whatsoever. And, uh, and I think that consistency has come in. I think what, what can spark that is, and I think Fernandez has to be given a lot of credit there, that all of a sudden someone comes in and has a, a high level of consistency in his game and it just rubs off on everybody else. You just think, right, that, that's the benchmark here. And I think you've seen other players, Wambasaka, Maguire, Fred, um, Matic has come back in and, and done well. Martial has started to improve his, his consistency as well. I think that's that's something that's that's happened as individually and as a team that consistently they've got better as individuals more than anything. If football does come back, there is a possibility that it's going to be behind closed doors. Maybe even a probability at the moment. You you, you must have played games behind closed doors. How does it compare? And do you think football should be allowed to come back behind closed doors, or do you think it, we should wait until the fans can come back? I, I don't think we've got a choice, Andy, mm. and that that's the. If the days of seventy-five thousand feeling safe to go into the the go and watch Old Trafford, mate, are a long, long way away. A long way away. So needs must. Uh, yeah, they they have to. Mm. As a player, I, I'd have loved it. I, I would because you wouldn't have had fans on my back then. I'd have absolutely loved it. Really, that's interesting because others yeah. and we spoke to Andy Cole saying how much he 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 would miss it if the fans weren't there. Uh, bullshit. Yeah, mate. I'll tell I'll tell you now. Most player most players. Yeah. Would love that. Just think, right? I haven't got those idiots behind the goal, fucking on my back. I really? Got him. Yeah, oh, mate, one hundred percent. Not even we missed the vocal support well, and the songs. No, apps. Listen, I would say to the to the fans, you know, you'd have to be politically correct. Oh, you know, I can't play behind fans. Yeah, it's not the same about fans, mate. I would have loved it. I was at, I was in Austria for that game and. The players actually looked unaffected by it. They were professionally won five nil. They they scored decent goals, but it was awful. Is that just a, for me as a as a fan, as a as a journalist, for a, there to be no atmosphere? It just felt really weird. I felt that fans were deprived from being there. I know why the decision was made. And again, if it's going to be played now, I know why that decision would be made um, too. But it was just really odd. But. It looked like it felt like a training game. It felt tight on Lask, their biggest ever game, and it just played in front of no people. I, I would say one thing, and a lot of people go, I'm "Not sure about that." Not all, not all the teams, and not all the, but you will see a higher level of performance without fans because you haven't got the pressure. The pressure's not there. You haven't got the the fans bring pressure to perform, and you haven't got that pressure. Some players, it works. It will drive them on. I, I watched um, PSG versus uh, Borussia Dortmund in Champions League. Like, mate, it's a fantastic game. Mm. Absolutely fantastic. And PSG, I think, had huge pressure on them to get, because of what happened at United last year, Barcelona the year before, to get through. And I think not having that pressure of everybody you know, on their backs, on their case, I, I think improved them and got them through. That doesn't work for everyone, but it will work for more than, than most. Mm. What have you been doing in the lockdown then without this travel? Are you better anything now, anything now than you were pre-lockdown? Uh, I've been learning French. 
Um, been doing a lot of running exercising, which I don't always have the time to do, but I've been doing that. Um, that's been good. It's it, it just getting into a good routine. So learning French, because that can help you in your job in a market yeah, which produces yeah. footballers. I mean, you mentioned South London. South London produces footballers, but France, especially the Paris area, it's it's probably the most productive place in the world for producing footballers. Those banleos on the outskirts of Paris. Well, apart from Brazil, and it, and it's actually a market which Manchester United are exploiting heavily at the moment yeah, in, we've in written, their YouTube. We've written there's about a, it. A, we've written about yeah, it loads in United We Stand. Yeah, there's a guy called Matthew Seconcher who lives in Nancy. He's very proactive as Manchester United scout at the moment. Yeah. It's, uh... So 75% of the French national team comes from four or five suburbs in yeah. Paris, something, something like that. It's crazy. I've been to them to study them. Patrice Everest from, from one of them and 200 metres from where he's from is where Thierry Henry grew up, for example. And Pogba, yeah. um, Usame Dembele is from just outside Paris, actually. But those sort of banleos on the outskirts of the city, they're just football factories. And, and Brazil, well, Sao Paulo, Rio, they just produce footballers as well. It's just kids, yeah. who, kids who aren't on PlayStations but are just playing football, street footballers. Yeah. Thousands yeah, exactly. of them. It's um, yeah. brilliant of them. Left field question, which we're asking everybody. When was the last time you felt scared? Ooh, um, um, At a I game or in life? No, no, no. no, no, no. I, I, so I watched a documentary on Sky News about when this was first kicking off and about the hospitals in Italy, and I thought, oh, this isn't good. Really? Yeah, I had a bit of a gut-wrenching sort of, this isn't going to be good, and it's not. And as a player, would you have fear? Regarding what? Anything. When you're playing. Fear, fear of failure, hugely. That, and that, that yeah. comes from pressure. Yeah, and this is going back to the fan. Fear of failure. Andy, I had to take sleeping tablets before a game to get to sleep because I'd be up all night overthinking. You'd just be thinking things through what can go wrong. Yeah, you just your mind races away with you, you know, and it's, it's, it, 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 it can be very negative. Fear of failure. Thanks for your time, James. Wonder uh, when football yeah, will be back. the best goal. Goal of the season? Oh, yeah. I was asking you the best goals. Um, and we asked Mr. Cole that. What's your favourite goal that you've scored? I've scored. I thought Man United have scored right. this season. All right. Um, we'll do Man United from this season then. Well, as I speak to you earlier, I'll raise a point for you. The best goal I think I've scored is Harry Maguire's header at Chelsea. Yeah. And the reason, the reason I'll say that is because I think Manchester United have got a huge problem they haven't scored enough goals from set pieces and have conceded far too many from set pieces. I tried to get the stats and figures out that, but if you actually turn that on its head, so all of a sudden Manchester United do score a lot of goals and now they've got Fernandez with his delivery. Harry Maguire has to score more goals from set pieces and they become defensively. That's your 20, 25 point swing. You're back in the title range if you've changed that. You think this team is ready to challenge for titles? Because I spoke, I spoke to Ollie Gunnar after the the Derby game, and he just said we still need two or three players. Yeah, uh, probably do. But I, 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 probably better than what they think they are as well. You see encouraging signs. You've seen encouraging signs since we went to, to City away in January. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Thank you for your time. No problem. Our next guest is Jim White, long-time contributor to United We Stand. 
and a full-time journalist at the Daily Telegraph. Thanks for joining us, Jim. Uh, thanks, Andy. You've just caught me uh, mainlining Dettol. Uh, I've just been following, obviously, uh, President Trump's uh, advice, and uh, I've given myself some, um, you know, uh, it's the only way you can um, stop the virus, apparently, according to the leader of the free world. So that's what I've been doing. You're the second person who's mentioned that on this podcast. It sounds like a complete nut job. <laughs> you 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 kind of you kind of think it can't get any madder, but it just does. I mean, it's bizarre. No. Um, anyway, let's talk Manchester United. Who would your player of the season be for this year, Jim? It's not finished. It's probably going to finish. It's almost certainly going to finish behind closed doors. But up to this point, who would it be? Well, it sounds ridiculous because he's only played about six times. But I, I think Bruno Fernandes because I think he's changed the mindset of the club um, extraordinarily in a very short period of time. But uh, and and change the mood amongst the spectators as well. Um, so uh, I, I think his effect on, on the game, his confidence, there's a certain, listen, this is, this is high praise indeed, but there's a certain similarity to the injection of confidence that Eric Cantona brought. Obviously, that also led on to titles. We're a long way from that, but that's my, that's my man of the season. How far do you think United are from having a title win inside? Because... Oli Solskjaer, he said two or three players away from it, but Manchester City and Liverpool are a considerable distance ahead of United at the moment, although United have beaten City in three to four games this season. I don't, I don't think they're an awful long way from making a challenge. There's a difference between making a challenge and winning it, um, none of the players they have apart from De Gea has uh, um, got experience of winning the Premier League, so you know that, that that's they've got nothing to fall back on in that in that way. But actually, I, I I've you know this is the optimism, isn't it? It's almost like it's we're almost like in a closed season now, where you're looking forward to the new year. You're always full of optimism, but I I just saw a quite a few signs of good things coming through and clearly he needs to make additions we're not talking about this current lot being anywhere near um, uh, ma making a stab at the league next season but with a couple of shrewd additions uh, to it um, uh, the squad I, I think they could I think they could I th I th I've got this feeling that there's a kind of upward momentum about the place in which areas would you make those additions I would. I think you've got to have a, a, a wide um, attacking player, and Jaden Sancho is is the obvious one. You know uh, whether they can actually manage to get him over the line. There's endless rumours, gossip, talk about where he might come from and whether whether he's going to do it or whether he's going to. You know, I read something about Sancho in United practically every day. Newspapers starved of any genuine news, making stuff up about him snubbing United or coming to United or, you know, it's, it, we're almost back to the days of, except of course he can't be doing this, it's almost back to the days of him being seen in a restaurant in Manchester. You know, it's, it's that kind of level of rumour. But I think he would be uh, uh, a, a huge uh, addition um, to United, I, 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 I'm quite interested in this delight uh, idea or delict or however you pronounce it. I, I 
quite like that. I think that would be interesting. I have a feeling that Solskjaer wants to go for a three centre-backs. And uh, if you add De Ligt to um, uh, Maguire uh, and Lindelof, then that's a pretty solid back three. Um, and, you know, I think that he would be um, a big addition. And I think probably, ultimately, they need a striker as well. So, you know, there's, there, there, there's any number of, of possibilities there. Um, midfield, it kind of depends on Pogba, but I suspect if they want De Ligt, they probably have to send Pogba in the opposite direction. So, and I really, I, I just have a feeling about De Ligt that uh, um, Solskjaer wants to build his team around a back three. I'm told Sancho favours Manchester United, but if he doesn't end up coming, the club have already lined up a plan B in that position. And there's been contact. They've spoken to representatives of very, very good players, but I think Sancho is the main target. And I went to watch him play in Dortmund a few weeks ago, just before the lockdown. He didn't have a great game, but I spoke to a lot of people there who've watched Dortmund every week, and he's had a fantastic season. And they're talking about him being an absolute world-class player. And... I've written several times about Dortmund and their view on selling him. They've got to get rid of him really this summer because otherwise his contract's going to run down. They need to cash in on him and it might not be the right time for Dortmund to do that, which therefore means that Manchester United or whoever uh, get a, a better price player. But I spoke to someone familiar with what's going on there and they said United are in a strong position. Who else is in for him? He's not going to go back to City. Liverpool don't sign players for 100 million. Chelsea for that much? The person who knows a lot more than I do said doubtful of that. And he just said to two Spanish clubs, nope. And that left PSG and Manchester United. That's just his view, but he knows a lot. Of, and don't think the deal's been done by any stretch. But I think United are in a very strong position when it comes to him. And I think he'll be a signing which excites players. What do you miss, Jim, most about there being no football? If indeed you miss anything. I miss it terribly, Andy. I hadn't quite realised how much of my kind of uh, weekly uh, uh, calendar is taken up with it. Uh, you know, I I miss the the, the live match going uh, hugely. There's nothing nothing comparable. Uh, but I actually just miss it watching it on telly. I miss watching, uh, you know, an odd match that I have no personal investment in. I miss the midweek games. I miss the Champions League. I miss everything, Andy. It's 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 a vast hole in in uh, in in my life, and I, I kind of hadn't realised how addicted I was, and I'm suffering very bad cold turkey. Do you think that playing games behind closed doors is needs must, or do you think that clubs should wait until fans are ready to go back into stadiums? I've always believed that, that there's no game without supporters. And you went to uh, the game in Austria um, before lockdown, and it was a very, very strange game. Very strange to watch on, on TV. But at the moment, Andy, I prefer to watch that game. I prefer to watch games like that than have nothing at all. Uh, and I think the position that the Premier League is in at the moment, they are favouring that idea. I've, I've, um, the sources uh, that I have are telling me that, you know, the Premier League are really, really keen to get something underway, get this finished, actually um, fulfil their broadcasting contracts, etc. So I think there is more likely to be... Um, 
uh, behind closed doors than waiting until we can get crowds. And you know, the real worry is if you listen to the advice that's coming uh, to the to the government from medical people, they're saying that social distancing is going to have to keep going until the end of this year. So you can't even see a new season starting with crowds. It's, it's, it's uh, really worrying. I mean, nobody really knows what's going on. Nobody has a, ha, has a clue as to where it's going to go. But I would prefer it. I mean, it sounds ridiculous. I can hardly believe I'm saying this, but I prefer behind closed doors than nothing at all. I think Manchester United and Manchester City, Liverpool, Everton, they fully expect the games to be behind closed doors. It's far from ideal. I was in Austria. It was awful. And I, I, I wonder, I, I don't think it's, it's a substitute, but it's a long way away from the real thing. Although I do wonder how players might perform without the pressure of having a crowd there. I do worry with United We Stand because we sell a lot of copies outside the, the stadiums and we need fans to buy those copies. But then we've had a surge in orders for subscriptions and people ordering by mail. So people are adapting in, in different ways. And I saw UEFA's message this week. They want clubs and countries' federations to decide which clubs are going to put forward to next season's European competitions. What do you think the fair way of doing that is? Just play like the fifth, the fifth place team against the first place team. Play it in the stadium where the fifth place team are from, and whoever wins that wins the league. <laughs> it's got to be. That's the only way. That is definitely the only way. Uh, I, I mean, who knows how they're they're they're, they're actually. Uh, going to sort this out. I mean, everything is everything has changed. I, I was looking at the um, uh, footage on the TV of the Liverpool Atletico game uh, that uh, was the last big occasion in, in English football. And it looks like another world. It's almost like looking at um, uh, movies where someone's smoking in a bar. You kind of think, what, we, we behave like that? We have big crowds, did we? Uh, you know, we're we're so quickly become used to um, uh, the, the the whole kind of isolation and lockdown. And I know you can't. You, I know in 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 Spain and in France, you can't even go out of your door. But every time I go out for a walk, the swerve has become part of life. People are just avoiding each other. It's extraordinary. You walk down the street, and people are kind of jumping out of your way. It's, it may be because I've grown a beard. I don't know, Andy. But it may be that. But I, I do I do wonder how we're ever going to get back to kind of crowding in. You know, I went to see uh, United uh, 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 against Bruges, and I was sitting in the stands. And, you know, in some parts of Old Trafford, you are very close to the person in front of you. You've practically got them sitting in your, between your knees. You know, there's no leg room. And um, how are we going to get back to that, you know? I, 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 we're so used to avoiding people now. You're right about Old Trafford being tight, cramped. It's got the minimum uh, room between seats, which is allowed, which in the 60s, when those stands started going up with the cantilever in 1965, that was, that was the norm, but maybe people have got bigger. <laughs> but the, <laughs> you are packed in at Old Trafford. There's definitely um, a lot of injured shins among Manchester United's fan base because you're that close to the the seats in from I don't know what's going to happen there's probable scenarios there's best case scenarios if you had to decide now who goes into Europe do you take the top four and think that Manchester City have been banned so Manchester United in 
in fifth, then go into the Champions League. There's, there's so much what if uh, about the situation. And I'd say at the moment, it looks like we're going to see behind closed doors football in the summer. But it's a fast moving situation, and governments can overrule sporting authorities uh, no matter how keen they are to get uh, playing their, their football again. Well, if you had to choose a moment from this season with United, a goal maybe. What would it be which has stood out? I, I think it would be uh, Anthony Martial's goal at uh, the Etihad uh, when United won 2-1, the second goal. Um, for a spell at the start of that derby back in December, um, United looked really, really good. And suddenly you thought, ah, I can see what's going on here. I can see there's a pattern. For so long... We've been deprived of that kind of sense of of, of adventure and, and so on. Now, obviously, it was there was a period of, uh, as you described it, you know, one step forward, two step back. Uh, that was the same. Well, not quite because Rashford was injured, but that that was practically the same team who performed so badly against Burnley um, before uh, Bruno Fernandes arrived. Um, but. I, I thought that was a really important moment because it, it was a sort of sense of self-confidence, a belief, an understanding of where you wanted to go and where this team was going. And, and everyone was under so much pressure and City looked so far ahead that it was a really illuminating moment for me. Great moment. I was in the ground. I was absolutely stunned at what I was seeing. I didn't expect <laughs> Manchester United to do that to Manchester City. It was brilliant. And then to win again a, a month later, although still go out of the out of the League Cup. Well, thanks for joining us, Jim. Do appreciate your time. Uh, I'd love to see you writing in United We Stand again. Thank you, Andy. And uh, I think there's a lot of uh, readers who are really grateful that you're still getting the magazine out there because goodness me we're all suffering badly 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 from a lack of united games and and just to have some connection even if it's on the printed page is brilliant our next guest is bloomy who is a regular on this podcast and is also a seller for united we stand welcome bloomy and thank you for joining us Hi, well how are you yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm not, not gone totally insane yet. Um, just been trying to keep myself busy. Um, and the weather's been good as well, so it's not been too bad, like, going out, having, having a walk early in the morning and stuff. So, yeah. Have you had your, have you had your hair cut yet? I've, uh, I bought clippers, funnily enough, the other week. <laughs> so, and the missus has done a really good job on them. So, so yeah, I don't feel I have to go barbers again now. So let's talk football. Who's United's Player of the Year and why? Um, I'm going to go with uh, Wan-Bissaka. Just because for, as, in terms of performance all round, he's barely put a foot wrong in virtually every game. Um, 100% solid. There's, I can't think of anyone who's gone past him. Uh, even in the, t in the even in the games against City and um, against the bigger sides, um, and I'd probably on performances I'd probably go with him. What do you miss most about there being no football, if anything at all? You might be enjoying it. 
Um, it's you always when you get to summer, you always you always think, oh, thank God for that. You got a few months off and you can chill out and do other things. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I've I have missed it a bit. You miss you miss the crack. Um, you know, going to the match with with the lads and stuff, and you know, selling the mag as well. Um, it's just one of them things that until everything's better, I can't. My, me personally, I can't see there being fans in stadiums for rest of the year. If we're being honest, that that had impact heavily on United We Stand and lads like yourself because you stood outside the ground selling the mag. And what is what is what is the buzz? The interaction with the people who are buying the mag each month, the conversations, yeah. you, you you regular people. I've had loads of emails through from people saying that they buy the mag all the time outside the ground and. How do we order it? What on earth's PayPal stuff like that? And it's yeah, just, yeah, you, know, yeah. you, you sort of miss it, miss it when it's not there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, like I said, the regulars that we, because obviously we we're not normally in the same spots as well. You get the same people coming up to you buying it and asking how you are and all that. And it is it is a bit of a shame, um, but I just my personal feelings are it's, it could be a while and it's it's not a good sign unfortunately do you think games should be played behind closed doors or or wait until fans are ready to come back i wrote a piece about this last week and a drum my experience of being in austria which which was horrible yeah. and i still thought that most people would say uh, behind closed doors football is better than nothing for various reasons such as the clubs would be able to get tv money and i was pretty taken aback by the response uh, when I put it out onto my social media, it was about f- more people said no, wait for fans to come back, and, and that surprised me a bit. I thought more people would want to see football, even just being behind closed doors. What's your view? Yeah, well, I was gonna, I was funny enough, I was gonna ask you about the last game because I remember you saying at the time it was just, it just didn't feel right at all. Um, just, it just looks, it, it looked soulless on the TV. It sounded like that. It was, um, and and the game the, the game was actually good. Although I really felt for Lask, they had players missing, yeah. but it should have been their biggest night. And yeah. that stadium's normally really atmospheric. It was the greatest ever European run, and it just felt like a a training match. And you can't blame yeah. the players because they performed well. Igalo scored a great goal. United scored five away from home in Europe. But I, I, I felt it was wrong on so many levels, and I understand why it was done. But you had hardcore United fans who'd already booked the trips to Austria. They went to Austria and they weren't in the stadium. And I thought, these people deserve to be in the stadium. It's just completely wrong that the game's Mm. being played without them. But I accept there's a counter view as well. And uh, I'm just not sure what it'd be like just watching a game. When you're used to being at the stadium and going to the games, and, and it is different from watching it on a screen. But then again, yeah. most most United fans don't go to matches and maybe how different would it be for them? It'd be slightly different from yeah, the, be, the stands being yeah, empty. Certain, yeah, yeah, it'd be, far, it'd be no different for them. I, I, again, I just, there's a risk with, yeah, there is a risk uh, with that because I think Gary Neville said it the other day. Um, what if what if some one of the players or the staff, even with it being behind closed doors, what if they end up catching this? That straight away, that's going to be that's going to be the end of it. And I think in terms of carrying it off, they still haven't made a decision yet. And it's going to eat into next season as well. So that puts next season, what's what's going to happen with next season? Then you're going into when the World Cup's on as well. Just going to be a massive mess. 
yeah, I don't know. It's it's a bit of a risk to me. I've, I think United have got <clears throat> more to lose than most as well, considering they were going on, starting to go on a real good run, and there was a chance of maybe getting into that top four, and it might not even happen though. From a footballing perspective, maybe from a commercial perspective, United are probably better off than most because they've struck all them commercial deals, so they're not as reliant on one revenue stream as other clubs. They've got the commercial revenue, obviously they'll miss out on the the, the match day revenue, but the, some clubs are going to go bust if there's no football. They're just not going to be able to, to pay the bills. The, 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 yeah. the wages are that high, there's such a high percentage of their revenue when all the revenue is coming in that there has to be a give, whether that's players taking deferrals, taking a, a wage cut, and Otherwise, clubs are going bust. They're going under. You're starting to see already. I saw Real this week. All right, they're only um, it's only Real. They only attract four hundred fans, but they're a big deal in their community in North Wales, and they've got a really good history. They've got a really good ground, and they they're now applied for insolvency. It's really sad. Um, don't want to be too downbeat. Let's tell me what your favourite goal was from from this season. Um. Probably say um, the midsummer one against City. To be honest, just um, right at the end, and he just caught him off guard. And I think probably that's my favourite one that I've seen this season. Just in terms of how big the game was as well, and it was right at the end. And yeah, that's my most favourite, I reckon. Have you been watching any games in the lockdown? Have you been reading more historical pieces, or have you just been? Getting away from football. What what you doing in the lockdown? What are you better at now than you were before um, it started? Well, I always thought I was decent at cooking, <laughs> and that's that's improved a bit. Um, been making more things from scratch and that. And I've been reading. Um, yeah, just walking as well, like a long long walks early in the morning, just when there's no one around really. So obviously. Keep your distance. What what cooking do you do? Yeah. Is it is it Kurdish? Remember when a rumor went round that you 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 were fighting in the the Kurdish army yeah. mm. in the Peshmerga? Yeah, yeah. No, nothing nothing like that. <laughs> is there any basis for that? Have you got any Kurdish family? You know what? I've, I'm looking to do um, ancestry and see where to where I come from. Maybe I think maybe I got someone from the east side. I don't know. Could be Sam really old. And and then a body was found in Oldham, and the description yeah. <laughs> was loosely similar to yours. And yeah. word went round that you died. Yeah, I just remember waking up at um, half eight, like loads of messages on my phone said, um, "Was that you behind the rose in the canal?" <laughs> <laughs> so, um, mate, I'm still alive. <laughs> but, but, but he said he said he was of Turkish origin, so I knew straight away what was coming then. Because I read the piece before I read all the messages. I thought, all oh, right, here we go. So, yeah, I knew straight away. But, but asking you if that's you in the canal if you've died, well, what they expect in a response <laughs> from know, heaven? I know, yeah, I know, I know. Whether, whether the missus would pick up the phone and tell them, I don't know. But, yeah. This week, a, a really well-known Spanish journalist tweeted that Michael Robinson, who, who's very famous in Spain, obviously played for Liverpool and won the European Cup with Liverpool, they tweeted that he died. And which would have been fair work as a journalist if it was true, but but it wasn't. And, and an hour later, Michael Robinson had to reply. 
thanks for all your good wishes when those asking about me. I'm still here. I think he has been uh, poorly, but yeah, journalist absolutely should 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 not have done that. Are you scared about this pandemic? When was the last time you were scared? There's a left field question for you. Um, I'm not scared about it. I was a bit scared this morning when Trump was saying uh, by injecting people with soil. But, but, um, <laughs> Did he? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that scared me a bit because you do know that some people will actually end up doing that. So, yeah, that's a bit of a concern. But, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, say I'm, uh, I wouldn't say I'm that worried, to be honest, or scared. Maybe you just, it's job-wise, really, more than anything. Um, you just don't know how it's going to pan out, do you? We, it carries on for much longer. You'll have a go at me for mentioning this again, but were you scared when you missed that flight back from Madrid in 2013 <laughs> at the reaction from, yeah. from, from your girlfriend, now wife? Oh, God. Oh, God. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I was waiting for that, but it ended up being really good in the end. But, um, at the time, though, you're in Madrid Airport, at, at you've missed time, your flight. I was, I was a bit concerned. Were you in the doghouse? Put it that way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. For how long? For a few days. It wasn't that long, actually. I, yeah, I'm good at turning things around, so <laughs> it ended up being all right in the end. But yeah, that's a treat. But yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for joining us. No worries, Andy. And um, be nice to hear your voice outside United ground again, selling United Greece Stand. We've got no idea when that will be, but you look after yourself. So that's it for this podcast. We also had Andy Cole on it, but we ended up speaking to Andy for uh, quite a lot longer than the other guests, so we'll run that as a separate podcast um, midweek. And also, you can get 90 days um, free access to The Athletic, and there's some brilliant stuff on there. And to go go for it, you need to click on The Athletic dot com forward slash free 90 days that's the athletic.com forward slash free f-r-w-e nine zero days and that's a 90 day free trial and there's some there's been some really really good writing on there some really in-depth stuff so if you've got a bit more time it's definitely worth having a look at until the next podcast look after yourselves goodbye